Bridge is an acronym for books recycled to instruct, disciple, guide, and educate. We firmly believe that reading is critical for Christians to grow in their faith, and so we strive to make Bibles and gospel-based Christian books available at very affordable prices. Our purpose is to share the glorious good news of Jesus Christ through written and spoken word. We do this by providing resources and educational opportunities for people to grow in their knowledge of biblical truth so that they are equipped to share that truth with others. You can visit our website at bridgebookstexas.org where you can find our Reformed podcast, Bridge Radio, where we bring on Christian authors, apologists, and scholars such as Dr. James White, Dr. John Frame, Joe Beakey, Jeff Durbin, John Sampson, and Tim Trumpert. You can find Bridge Radio on iTunes, Android, Windows, and Google Play or stream via our website. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. As he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will Ephesians 1 verses 4 through 5 and welcome back to another episode of Bridge Radio coming at you from the great state of Texas baby Texas proclaiming the gospel fearlessly and faithfully I am the host as always Julio Amado I guess you could call me July and across I got the theologian himself Mr. A.W. Varilla Yes, yes, yes And to the right of me I have the boss of this whole entire shebang called Bridge Ministries Steve Den Hartog How's it going, y'all? Thanks for, thanks for being with us today your, your nickname is El Jefe, is that cool? El Jefe, I guess That's, that's <laughs> Spanish for boss, am I correct? Boss. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know a lot of Spanish but <laughs> that, might, that might imply some uh, things I don't want to be associated with down here by the border but. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right That's right, that's right. Yeah. yeah Anyway, guys so we're back with a, another episode as always, uh, episode number 43. Wow, yeah, we're at episode number 43 now. And uh, yeah, today we're going to continue our series through uh, the 12 whatabouts. And uh, what about what, uh, if you're new to this uh, series or to this program in general? Well, today we're going to be diving into um, common objections to God's sovereignty in election. Uh, to be a little bit more specific, it's uh, the reform doctrine of election. And uh, today uh, we're going to be diving into two verses, Matthew 23 verses 37 and 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4 verses 10. Um, this is the second of the series. I really don't know how many uh, like episodes we'll do, but this is the second and there will be a third to come. Yeah. Um, but the first one, we did go over John 3.16. We went over, I believe it was 1 Peter 2.9 mm. and another one. And, and again, this whole entire series is about uh, just common objections to God's sovereignty in election. That is that is how he saves a sinner. Um, and, and we'll unpack a little bit bit of that before we really start diving into these verses, just to kind of rehash everything again. Um, but anyway, uh, if you're new to the program, hey, subscribe to us. We're on iTunes, Android, Windows, Google Play. We're currently developing our app that is about to be released, and we have plenty of podcasts for you to check out. Um, we recently got done um, through this, through the, our series of the Doctrines of Grace, uh, uh, also known as Calvinism, and we, we did a six-part series. John Frame came on, uh, James White, Jeff Durbin, John Sampson, Tim Trumpert, and Joel Beakey, uh, Recently, we also had Rosaria Butterfield uh, talk about her new book, 
Um, the gospel comes with a house key. And uh, we just have a, an array of topics for you to really go, um, really nourish yourself and, and supplement yourself in, in, in just scripture and the Bible. And, and, and our main goal here at Bridge is, is to bring clarity to the scriptures and to uh, you know, bring understanding. Uh, and, and, and that way you could use that in return to, to disciple and, and, and proclaim the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, fulfill the Great Commission. Yes. So, um, uh, and, and anyway, and, and if you would like to support us as well, you can visit our website, www.bridgebookstexas.org, and you can go to the About slash Give page. And uh, yeah, you can find not only more information about us, but uh, you know, if you really like these podcasts, if you if you enjoy this ministry that's here in Laredo, um, feel free to uh, to support us. Uh, it greatly it would be greatly appreciated, and it just helps us do what we do here as a ministry. And uh, and just thank you so much. Um, Anyway, how's it going, guys? Doing well, doing well. Doing well. Well, I know Steve can't drink coffee right now. Well, I'm drinking drinking some decaf. I don't know if it's real coffee. I think... <laughs> I think it's penance for for making fun of all the people. That's who blasphemy, I man! Like, <laughs> just but, but there's a reason behind it. Yes, there is. There is. There is. It's it's for it's for Steve's safety. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for now. Yeah, right. We don't want you falling over again, like, like we tick, talked about. The old ticker has been missing a few beats here and there, so the doctor said to lay off the coffee for a while. So okay, okay. we'll uh, see. We'll see how that goes. I don't know. I I have to make a decision between quantity and quality of life here. You know, fifty three <laughs> years has been pretty good. So. Yeah, Jesus did say you can't. And add a, a <laughs> inch of your life a span. So yeah. you know, if it's your time to go, you know, it's, you're gonna go. That's right. Might as well drink good coffee on the way well, out. <laughs> might as well just drink good coffee. What on the happened? Way out. He just couldn't let go of his coffee. <laughs> just, that's hilarious. Were you pre-te- predestined to do that? <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out. We'll today. talk about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. So we've had him on before. He's man. He's my fang- my favorite Englishman. Uh, you know, to bring on. He's 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 amazing. It's probably the only one you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I do. I do know well, another Englishman. Okay, uh, he, was, he, was, he was my old boss. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Trumpers. He's yeah, from Wales. Yeah, he's from Wales. Yeah, and um, anyway, we've had him on the program here, and uh, uh, he's a beloved friend and, and brother yes. of the ministry. He's a Absolutely. fearless and faithful minister of the gospel. Mm. Someone I I highly look up to. Uh, he's a, he's a pastor in a, of King's Church in Peora, Arizona, and he's the author of two books. Five Solas, Standing Together Alone, and uh, The Twelve Whatabouts, Answering Common Objections uh, Concerning God's Sovereignty and Election, which we're going to be talking about today. There is a book if y'all want to go uh, uh, look at it. Again, I highly recommend it. And uh, anyway, like I said, he's biblical, he's reformed, he's one of my favorite Englishmen on the planet. Welcome back, uh, John Sampson. (laughs) Hey, it's great to be with you guys again. Looking forward to the show. Yeah, well, thank you for coming back on. Hey, uh, you're famous now because you are. Um, I, I just recently saw Les Lansphere's uh, new trailer for uh, his film In Spirit and Truth, and uh, you're on there. And I showed it to Abe and Steve, and they were like, "Nice, that sounds really cool." Yeah, yes. I told I, t- I told Julio, I was like, I think John is going to become the Morgan Freeman of the Christian world, <laughs> and just like the voice in the documentaries. <laughs> Because you sound oh, awesome, funny. you sound awesome. Well, right? it, it's good. It's it's good for uh, my my humility because uh, the, the my name isn't mentioned, and that keeps me uh, <laughs> sane. Because I, I couldn't believe that they were actually giving my voice that kind of prestige. So uh, I, I'm kind of glad I'm taking it in stride and <laughs> just letting my 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 lungs just continue to fill and breathe in and breathe out slowly but uh, i was shocked very shocked that they were doing that but i'm glad they haven't got my name on there i joke with my wife linda because uh, john <laughs> macarthur's voice is on there yeah. and i say you know he's 
he's just using me to get some <laughs> attention and uh, you know so he, he obviously needs more of a of an appeal and right. uh, he's trying to get some 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 new people on his mailing list and <laughs> so uh no i was just absolutely amazed by that but really i'm hoping that Les is is really given so much wisdom from the Lord. That yeah. he's really uh, about about an amazing task of talking about worship and, mm. and the church and mm. uh, really yeah. praying for that. Yeah, I've saw his documentary Calvinist. Uh, if you guys haven't seen that documentary or that film, uh, please do so. And this one looks like it's going to be excellent mm-hmm. as well. I think it, what, what was funny yeah. for me, John, was I had just got off the phone talking with John Sampson. <laughs> I go to my laptop, I sign on to Facebook, and I see the trailer, and I'm like, oh, cool, I'm going to press play. And it was the same voice that I just hung up off the phone with, and I was like, whoa, what the hell? I was like, it's John. Yeah. I was like, whoa, what? And I, I, messaged, I messaged him at that moment. It was just funny. I was like, hey, you're, you're on the new trailer to a uh, film. So anyway, um, good stuff, funny stuff, John. Anyway, John. So yeah, let's let's dive into it now. Um, you know, before we really open up uh, this discussion again, I know there's a lot of, or there could be people who are new to this, uh, mm-hmm. the reform doctrine of election. Uh, they you know don't really uh, understand it, and so I, I do want to touch on this just a bit. So like for those who are unfamiliar with the doctrine of election, like can you give a just a quick brief explanation of it for us? Yeah, I can do it in at least uh, three hours or less. Okay, <laughs> sure, and, uh, we're ready. Yeah, it, it's good. It's it's the the concept that we drive derive from scripture that God, before time began, chose a group of people out from the great vastness of humanity who would receive mercy. And the Bible describes these as a great multitude that no one could number mm-hmm. from every nation from every tribe, people, group, and languages, that's Revelation 7, 9. Mm-hmm. They're called the elect. They're chosen by God, and there is scripture after scripture that speak of this in both the Old and the New Testament. In mm-hmm. fact, we recognize Israel as the chosen people, and we recognize that God has always had a plan to save a group for his own purposes. Mm-hmm. Immediately, the humanity in us uh, rises up and says, I'm not sure that's fair, I don't like that, mm. and we have to make this paradigm shift to allow God to be God, mm. because if God gave everyone what was due to us, mm. we'd have justice, and none of us want that. Mm. None of us want justice because we're sinners. If God uh, simply left us to ourselves, no one would be around the throne redeemed. And one of the things I always try to remember in my mind is, when the angels fell, there was no plan to save any one of them. And so there's no redemption for angels. God didn't become an angel mm-hmm. to save angels. And there's no one around the throne of God as an angel who's petitioning God and saying, this isn't fair. Mm. Uh, you know, there's no placards and uh, there's no banners saying we, we demand equal redemption for angels. Uh, there's nothing like that because God is just and it's not wrong for god to be just what should amaze us is his mercy mm-hmm. and that's what we're going to talk about and one one quick illustration i've not used this before but i think it's really helpful sure. i remember reading of uh phil reich and he was actually quoting uh donald gray barnhouse a, a preacher pastor from a, an older time and he used an illustration that helps people make sense of all this and he he asked people to imagine a cross like the one on which Jesus died, 
only so large that it had a door in it. And over the door were the words from the book of Revelation, whosoever will may come. Hmm. And these words represent the free, the universal offer of the gospel. And by God's grace, the message of salvation is for everyone, boy, girl, hmm. uh, man, woman, every, everyone on earth. And everyone who will come to the cross is invited to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and the Savior, repent of sin, believe in him, and enter eternal life. Now, mm -hmm. here's where the illustration really comes alive. On the other side of the door, a happy surprise awaits the one who believes and enters through the door. From the inside, anyone glancing back can see these words from Ephesians written above the door, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Mm -hmm. And the point that was being made is divine election, God choosing, is best understood in hindsight. Mm -hmm. It's only after, only after we come to Christ that we can know whether mm -hmm. we've been chosen in Christ. Right. And those who make a decision for Christ find that God made a decision for them in eternity past. So hmm. I, I remember that, and I think it's a good way to start as, as really understanding God in his grace offers salvation to all, but he's chosen a people for himself, very mysterious, and our job is not to go into the wall of the world and preach election, but preach the gospel. Amen. But election tells us there is a people who will respond, his elect, his sheep, who hear his voice, and it gives us a great assurance that our evangelism will be effective. God has people who will respond. Yes. Yeah. Amen. I think sometimes a false caricature that's that's given of Reformed theology or, or of Calvinism is that we don't want everybody to be saved. You know, the gospel, we, mm. we believe that the gospel is not for everybody. It's, it's uh, you know, we, we just want to select a have a select uh, number of people that uh, that can receive that and that's not up to us the gospel is for everybody yes. it's up to the Lord Absolutely. to determine who it is that's going to respond to that call but but as uh, followers of Christ we want to make sure that the gospel yeah. is proclaimed to everybody it's not up to us to to decide who 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 is a believer and who isn't no no and, no and that's, that's no one's job yeah and that's why we don't know this is why this is why we do like Steve said proclaim the gospel we don't know who is chosen and our elect yeah. are you yeah know? yeah and, and that's the beauty of it is that we know when we preach it to the whole world to everybody mm. that everybody be able to hear and then they respond because of God opening their hearts and their mm -hmm. eyes to yeah. the truth. Yeah, amen. Um, and for our listeners, if, if you all want a you know a really thorough explanation of the of the doctrine of election, um, if you were go, I, I highly recommend going to episode number twenty eight. John Sampson expounds on um, unconditional election. It's 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 in the series of of the doctrines of grace, and it's uh, episode number twenty eight. And uh, he goes through Romans eight and nine. He really like exegetes the whole passage, and it's great. Just just because we don't have a lot of time in this podcast to really unpack that, mm -hmm. but I just highly recommend for, you know, don't stop listening to this one, but go back and listen mm -hmm. to that one as well. Mm -hmm. um, I th both of those two just complement each other so well at the topic that we're going to be tackling today. Yeah, because he goes verse by verse. Yes. And I love it. Yeah. Just, just like we like it here. Yeah. Expository <laughs> preaching. Exactly. Right. <laughs> all right, John. Um, all right, so let's 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 dive into uh, into the next one. I guess again, um, a lot of these verses um, that we're going to be talking about today, they are objections to 
God's sovereignty in election. So it's, you know, people will throw out a verse like this and say, see, look, like, I get to choose God. I, I get to make the decision of, of choosing mm-hmm. my faith in Christ. And so I just want to, like, really bring clarity in that, in, in, in that sense. Um, and so... The verse that we have, and, we're, and, and John's going to unpack right now, is Matthew uh, twenty three thirty seven, and it reads, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her, her brood under her wings, and you would not. And so, you know, a, a lot of people would say, well, well, hold up there, hold up there, Mr. Uh, Calvinist. Like, look, Jesus is giving people the opportunity to come to them uh, and accept them here, and they're going to point and say, oh, hey, this is the dagger to the heart on, on this. Like, this has to be it. I don't know how you're going to do it. And so with that said, John, how would you handle this text? That's uh, a very good question. Uh, it's amazing how much tradition blinds us. And I'm mm-hmm. saying us, not right. you out there or someone else there. It, it affects all of us. We, we read a Bible passage a certain way, we've heard it preached a certain mm-hmm. way, and many times people quote a scripture and they say, there you go, that's one that just totally refutes all that you're saying. And it doesn't matter that there are 58 verses that say God elects people, they find one that says this looks like uh, it doesn't, uh, it looks like the opposite, and I say, hey, wait, before you run away and just close the book on this subject, can we look at it? Mm-hmm. And, and they almost l- look incredulous. Why would I even need to? There's no need to look at that verse. That verse says what it says. And I said, well, actually it doesn't. And before they're walking away, can we can we open the text? Mm-hmm. And what I've found is that in many cases, people are not even willing to go to the text. They, they just throw a verse out there, mm-hmm. often out of setting, out of its context. And I'm saying, can we look at it? So I'm actually glad... Right that we have time to look at this verse. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, walking through it and knowing that I was teaching along this line and knowing that this was one of the common objections that's raised. And I was teaching a class and I read the verse in this way. I said, will you please, I'm gonna actually change the text, I'm gonna alter it, but I want you to look at the text and notice what I'm missing what I leave out. So I'm telling them ahead of time (laughs) that I'm going to omit, I'm going to take out two important words Mm -hmm. while I'm reading it. So, so I read it the way it's normally quoted. I've heard not only those on the other side of the aisle quote it this way, but even reformed people quote it this way because it's such a strong tradition. We think that's what the text is saying. Mm -hmm. So I read it the way we've it's often quoted, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered you together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you would not. Then, then you just highlight that phrase, I would, mm-hmm. I would, mm-hmm. uh, but you would not. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the understanding. And mm-hmm. they looked at me right. as even as I warned them ahead of time, there was absolute silence from this group and mm-hmm. I waited and I said okay let's let's do it again I repeated the whole thing I went through it guys you you, you might find this hard to believe mm-hmm. four times before someone very gingerly uh, raised their hands and, and said I, I, I think I know what you're missing out mm-hmm. and I said what is that and they said uh, the words your children Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely. But it was the fourth time through. That's how strong mm. 
the tradition was, and I said, and that makes a huge difference to how we should interpret the verse. That tradition is so strong, you can read it and read it and read it and not see what the text said. Hmm. Now, here's what the assumption is about the text. Right. Number one, Jesus wanted to save the Jews he was speaking to. Number two, though he desired to do this, he could not. And number three, the reason for this was because of their stubborn refusal to allow themselves to be gathered. In other words, Christ would, they would not. And the conclusion, number four, is that for the grace of God to achieve its objective in saving souls, it's dependent on the will of man. God is doing everything, yeah. everything possible to save, but that stubborn thing called free will stops God right in his tracks. He'll never violate free will. Mm. And in spite of all his wooing, all his drawing, how many times people hear the gospel, God's grace can never overcome the will of man unless God sees, uh, unless man, let me say it this way, unless man chooses to cooperate. So God is left frustrated. Christ really tried his best to gather these people, even to the point of tears, but in the end, man's resistance thwarted God's will. Now, mm. what I'm going to say will shock many who are listening. None of those four assumptions are true. None. Not one. Nada. None. Zippo. None. <laughs> when we look at the text, we find that the context, and that's so important. Yes, the context is. is Jesus is proclaiming judgment on the Jewish leaders. They were the ones in charge. They were the ones who were supposed to be introducing those under their spiritual care to the Messiah. That's the point of their leadership, mm -hmm. to prepare the way of the Lord like John the Baptist did and said, here he is, he's come. Yeah. Uh, he, and, and Jesus in that entire chapter is uh, really confronting the Pharisees and the scribes in the strongest words in the entire Gospels regarding uh, their uh, attitude towards him, what they were uh, saying about him. Mm -hmm. And the question we should be asking is, who's the Jerusalem here? Yeah. And many assume that it's every individual in the city, mm. but we need to ask, is that true? And the context is, it's the Jewish leaders. Mm. God had sent his prophets to them, and they, the leaders, had killed them. You'll see this all in Matthew 12. Yeah. Jesus then makes a differentiation between the people he's addressing and your children whom he sought to gather. He was wanting the children, your children, those under their care. He's yeah. talking to the leaders. Mm -hmm. He's saying, I wanted to gather your children and you, the leaders, would not. Huh. So I hope he can all follow this and, and maybe have your Bible in front of you. If yeah. you're driving, maybe stop by the roadside, get your Bible out. The people the Lord wished to gather are not the same people who were not willing. Yeah. Jesus is condemning the religious leaders. He's saying that he desired to gather their children, that was those under their care, but they, the leaders, were not willing. The leaders did all in their power to stand in the way of Jesus, gathering those he wished to gather. And they cast doubt on Jesus, on his character. They said that his miracles were performed by means of 
uh, uh, demonic power, Mm. and they threatened anyone who confessed Jesus as Messiah with expulsion from the synagogue. That no wonder Jesus was mighty upset with them. Mm-hmm. And it's a, an issue he raised just a few verses earlier, verse 13. Um, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Yeah. Yeah. You shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves yeah. nor allow those who enter to go in. Mm. So we could go on and on, but really, Matthew twenty-three thirty-seven, it, the way it's normally presented is uh, coming from a tradition, and most people will not, Look at the text and understand Jesus is seeking to gather the children, mm-hmm. but the Jewish leaders were not willing. <clears throat> and it's an obvious thing when you see it. This has nothing to do with uh, God not being able to gather anyone. He was bringing condemnation to the Jewish leaders who were not willing for those under their care to be gathered. That's what's going on. Mm-hmm. And just like the president of the United States represents us as a whole, uh, so did the Jewish leadership represent Jerusalem. Is that correct? That's exactly right, yeah. And if we look at the positives, there are scriptures that say, all that the Father gives me, that's Jesus speaking, all the Father gives me will come to me, not 38%, not 29%, not 54%. Mm -hmm. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me and that's the comfort Mm -hmm. that all the father gives to jesus will come and uh, he achieves every objective rather than jesus for eternity saying well it's great we got all these guys in but you know i'm going to need a few million years to just get over the fact that Mm -hmm. I, i just tried my best with some people they just were not willing to come and that's the idea people have that 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 god and the lord jesus will be somewhat sad for eternity it's it's nice that all the people responded the right way who did but he's grieved that uh, he wasn't able to achieve everything he wanted to and again Mm -hmm. that goes into the character of god the book of isaiah makes it very clear he achieves everything he sets out to do he Mm -hmm. uh he has a plan he fulfills that plan and divine election speaks a dr- uh, right to that issue that God has a plan and he will have all his sheep come home. Mm-hmm. So just to reiterate again, John, yeah. it's the the scribes and the Pharisees, those people, those Jewish leaders who in effect were God's representative uh, that the indictment yes. is against. He's speaking against yes. them because they haven't done what they should have done Mm -hmm. as God's representatives here on earth. Is that correct? Absolutely right. That's a very good summary. And if you again look at the text, how often I would have gathered your children together, and that's the indictment. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you were not willing. You were not willing. Wow. That's, that's, again, that's just powerful stuff. And just the, the real importance of putting Scripture in its proper context, Mm. Um, even the term that we have been using, tradition. Um, Can you talk about a little bit about that a little more, John? Because I think that's really important just to hit home, especially for new listeners. Yeah, it's it's one that affects us all. Uh, uh, James White, who's a friend of mine, he he said, uh, we're all blinded by tradition, Mm. and those who have 
who have the most tradition are those who don't think they have any. Hmm. Yeah. And, and we need to constantly <laughs> look at the text. Yeah. And uh, when we say, look, at, hey, I, I, I'm just new to the Bible. I don't have a tradition. Uh, uh, yes, you do. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like a fish in water. Does it know it's in water? Hmm. Well, it'll find out when it gets out of water and it's panting for breath. Yeah. Um, but we're surrounded with a, a culture that believes in a pagan understanding of the will, that we can do anything we like. Mm -hmm. We have freedom to do anything we choose to do. Right. You can be president or you can fly to the moon. You can do anything you want. <laughs> and yet the Bible says there are limitations because of our nature. And so right. we, we are uh, prone to look at the text and see something that is not actually there or we supply it mm. or else we draw out illegitimate things from the text. One of the things I think is helpful is to understand the difference between um, an implicit statement and an explicit statement. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is when we're building our doctrines from the Bible, we go to God's Word to find out what it teaches rather than say, we believe this, let's try and find it in the Bible. We go to the Bible and we find out what it teaches and we make it, what we find there, mm -hmm. the basis of our doctrine. Now, when we talk about the explicit, we're talking about something that is definitely stated. You can't avoid it. Mm -hmm. it, it, it says that. What an implicit statement is the idea, well, it could mean this, but it could also mean that. Mm -hmm. I, I remember hearing someone say, um, you know, Jesus' resurrection body uh, goes through walls. I've heard it many times in, in, in sermons. Mm -hmm. And I went to the text on which they build that particular idea. And you know what? It could be that that's the case. Because you find Jesus, it says... Um, being in a room with the door shut. And the implication is he walked through the door mm -hmm. um, without opening the door. And he can, in his resurrection body, walk through a wall. Well, that could be, or it could be something completely different. Mm -hmm. um, it could be the fact that uh, the door was opened and he walked through and then it was shut afterwards. It could have been that uh, he beamed down from heaven into the room directly, mm -hmm. but we supply this idea that he walked through this locked door and the text doesn't actually say that. And mm. So that's just a very yeah. good illustration of the yeah, fact yeah, that good. we tend to see things that are not explicitly stated in the text. We, we, we are moved by an implication, a possible idea, mm -hmm. but we should build our doctrine right. on what the scripture actually says. What does it actually say? It could mean this. Oh, yeah, I'll give you that. But there's two other things it could mean. I want to build my doctrine on what does the Bible actually say. Hmm. Yes, very, very good stuff, John. Um, okay, so let's go on to the next one, 1 Timothy 4.10. Uh, again, if you're listeners, please if you open up your Bibles and, and go to this passage. Um, if you're on the, the road, uh, pull over or, or pause and come listen to this back later. But it reads this. Um, For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So, John, do we as Reformed Calvinists have egg on our face <laughs> at this point? Is this the point where we go, oh, got me! Uh-oh! <laughs> I've had people who just respond with that one verse, 
yeah. and say, there you go. He's the savior of all people. Doesn't matter what you tell me. Mm-hmm. Ah, blah, 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 blah. Not listening, not listening. First Timothy 4.10. He's the savior of all people. And I say, okay, okay. I agree. That's what the text says. What are you seeing that text is saying? Would you lay it on the table? Mm-hmm. Let's bring all of our cards to the table and say, you lay your cards down. What mm-hmm. do you think that text says? And they say, um, well, it means this, that Jesus or God mm-hmm. is saving everybody. He's done his part, but it's up to us who believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, therefore, grace, the same measure of grace is given to everybody on planet Earth. That's what's fair. That's the way God is. He's the savior of all men and especially of those who believe. Now, okay, I say that's one of a number of interpretations that is possible. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna walk you through the text, um, uh, brother, (laughs) and and are you willing for that to happen? And when I can do that, this is how I do it. Mm -hmm. I say, okay, there's a number of interpretations. Here's number one one of many universalism mm-hmm. these are uh, people that say he's the savior of all people so all will be saved and there are people like that who uh, may not have used that term they may not have ever heard the term a universalist but you can understand the entire universe or everybody on planet earth and anyone who's a body mm-hmm. will be saved and there's even people that uh, think the devil will eventually be saved too they've got that <laughs> understanding and it's it's been a heresy that the church has kicked out from its inception. Yeah. We know there are verses that speak very clearly of people ending up in hell yeah. and yep. they are there forever. Whether we're looking in Matthew or Revelation, many different places, hell's a place, people go there and they don't get out. Universalism cannot stand biblical scrutiny. So that's no. one that's outside. No, uh, the Christian Orthodox faith. Um, and let me just say this, if the phrase, the savior of all people, was seeking to teach that doctrine called universalism, the rest of the verse would have no meaning. Because hmm. then it says, especially of those who believe. Well, if he's saving everybody, <laughs> right. why would he be especially saving those who believe? Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. Yeah. So, again, even even just looking at that one verse, universalism doesn't survive. Mm-hmm. Second, second idea is what we call Arminianism, and a very popular idea, and they'd interpret this verse to say that God wants to save everyone, but his desire is thwarted by the will of man. We're back to what we looked at in Matthew 23. But look at the text again. The passage does not say he wants to save it says he saves he's the savior he actually saves he's actually the savior at least in some sense of all people not merely a potential savior and here's the big divide a potential savior with an actual savior this verse among many in the bible speak of god as an actual savior not just a trying to savior and on the way to be savior a potential savior again according to isaiah 46 god never has his will frustrated he commands it happens all he sets out to do happens so arminian arminianism 
doesn't survive this verse because it does not say he's trying to save everyone. It says he is mm-hmm. God who is, the living God who is the savior of all people, especially yeah. of those who believe. Mm. The third idea is kind of a variation of that, and that is the idea that God's able to save all people, and uh, though all can be saved, only believers actually are saved. And I would just say, okay, please, let's look at the text. Just recognize that's not what it says. (laughs) The the scripture here is not saying that um, though all can be saved, only believers actually are. Mm -hmm. Again, someone is reading into the text. Actually, if you look at the text, it says that God is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. And this is what I believe is the biblical understanding of the uh, of this verse is the reformed view in that sense and that is that god is the savior of all people in one sense and especially of those who believe in another sense let me yeah. try and explain why i believe that's what this verse is saying why i believe it's the correct interpretation when we get out our bible and study terms like salvation and savior in the Bible, which is what we're really called upon to do, rather than just say, I, I, I know what this means, I don't need to study. No, 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 no. Look at the words, salvation and savior. Mm-hmm. You're gonna find many different, uh, different nuances, right. many different ways that mm-hmm. God saves. The most important aspect is to be saved from the wrath, the anger of God, Romans 5, 6 through 9. That's the ultimate calamity to mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of life, approach God not being right with him and to be rescued from an audience with God not right with him is what we call salvation. God saves us from his wrath and his love. God saves us from God. And it was God's idea to do that. Mm -hmm. But salvation also includes the idea of rescue. Mm -hmm. Uh, We could look in Psalm 18, verse 3, and it's rescue from enemy attack. And we could speak of a city under siege and God sending an angel and saving them. Now, we're not talking now about salvation in the ultimate sense, which is what the normal way we talk about salvation is, Mm -hmm. but to be rescued. Uh, Preservation, Matthew 8, 25. Physical healing. Uh, Jesus healed someone and says, your faith has saved you. And it's talking there about being rescued, saved from the calamity of Mm -hmm. this debilitating sickness. Um, God saved not only Paul, but everyone else who's on board ship with him in Acts 27. There, again, it speaks of him saving them. Again, we've got to have this understanding that the word salvation uh, is an all-encompassing word. It does normally mean the ultimate in being saved from sin, saved from the wrath of God. But there's numerous ways that word salvation is spoken about and referred to in the scripture. And then we look at the word savior. The Greek word soter, we have the English term soteriology, uh, mm-hmm. which is the theology of salvation, and we understand that. And when we look at that word in the uh, Greek translation of the Old Testament, um, we look at it in the New Testament, we find that there are again, many different ways the word is used. One example, is, uh, and I write about this in my book, let me just quote it. One example is Judge Othniel 
who's called a soter, a savior, hmm. or deliverer, because he delivered the children of Israel from the hands of the king of Mesopotamia. You'll read that in Judges 3, verse 9. Hmm. Another verse, 2 Kings thirteen five, talks of God giving Israel a savior. They were delivered from the hands of the Syrians. The judges of Israel were saviors. You'll read in Nehemiah 9, verse 27. Let me quote it. In the time of their suffering, they cried out to you, talking to God, and you heard them from heaven, and according to your great mercy, you gave them saviors who saved them from the hand of their enemies. Now, we could go on and on. I think I've made the point. The Bible speaks of many different ways that God saves. Mm -hmm. God provides food. God provides sunlight. God provides rainfall. When he does, when rain comes, it saves a crop from destruction. We wow. can talk in those, 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 those terms. So God, when he preserves someone, when he delivers them, when he supplies the need of everybody in this world, in a sense, he's saving them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we're using that word in the all-encompassing way it's used in the Bible. God could cut off the air supply to every one of us. Mm. He has every right to, but God is so merciful, we take it for granted. We think, oh yeah, I'll, I'll have air tomorrow, I'll have air the next week. And, and yet, all, in all of this, God is dispensing mercy and he's saving us. I, I know I can't live five minutes without oxygen mm. and a few days without water. Mm. And yeah. so it is when, when we thank the Lord at the meal table for his supply. So mm -hmm. when we talk of this, we talk about common grace. Mm -hmm. I know you know those words, common right. grace. In other words, it's grace that God doesn't have to give. And the fact that it's common, that everybody alive gets it, mm -hmm. <laughs> everybody alive gets common grace, mm -hmm. and we don't have it when we die, but uh, common grace is the uh, mercy of God in, in allowing us to find food and shelter and warmth and um, in, in Phoenix, we have a lot of that. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of yeah. warmth. Um, but God doesn't have to do this. And, and the fact that it's common doesn't mean that it's not grace. Mm -hmm. It yeah. is grace. Absolutely. It should shock us. Yeah. Because if I was God and I had someone defying me, I'd just say, okay, let's just shut off the air mm -hmm. for that guy. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's put a five-meter wall around this guy. He doesn't get air and everyone else can survive. But, but God is so merciful, he sends his rain on the just and the unjust. Yeah. It, it's not just Christians who get rain. No. It, it's, it's the beauty of God. And so when we go now back to that verse that has been quoted, let's see what it says. And I love seeing what it says. Now we understand that. For to this end, we toil and strive because we are set. We have a, a hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, hmm. especially of those who believe. Mm -hmm. So yeah. everyone encounters God as a savior in some sense. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just, but go ahead. Especially those who believe. They get salvation in the ultimate sense. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, a really good summary of uh, exactly what you've been saying, John. I was reading in uh, John Calvin's commentaries on the epistles to Timothy, and he says this. He says, the word Savior is not here taken in what we call its proper and strict meaning in regard to the eternal salvation which God promises to elect, but is taken for one who delivers and protects. 
Thus we see that even unbelievers are protected by God, as it is, it is said in Matthew 5.45, He maketh his sun to shine on the good and the bad. And we see that we are all fed by his goodness, that all are delivered from many dangers. In this sense, he is called the Savior of all men, not in regard to the spiritual salvation of their souls, but because he supports all his creatures. And again, uh, just as you said, it's it's so important to to define our terms and to understand the context of the verse. And when we look at it that way, as God being the Savior of all men through common grace, yeah. it makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Yes. And it, it, absolutely, it's great that uh, John Calvin agrees with me. <laughs> it's, it's great. But at the same time, we, we believe it because the Bible says it. And mm-hmm. the other thing is, the other views cannot hold to the scrutiny of analyzing the verse. Mm-hmm. Universal, universalism doesn't hold when you read the verse. Arminianism and any kind of variation of it, it can't hold up. But the reform view does when you take the time to look at the text. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and, and it can't even be reconciled with the consistency of other verses that teach about the doctrine of election. Like you couldn't, even if you did take it that way, you couldn't reconcile it uh, in the universal sense. You know, there are very strict passages like Romans 8 and 9 that are just so clear. I mean, so, so clear on the doctrine of, of, of election. And when you're looking at, and when you're reading your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, those words are just littered, chosen, elect, (laughs) called, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. you know set apart i mean it, it, it it's all there and that's for me i was just like man what's going on here i'm reading this i'm mm-hmm. reading my bible what's what's happening here i'm 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 reading these words yeah god is the one who is choosing it. he's calling us he's right. the one who selected selecting us yeah you know i mean even even with david you know we see him as a little boy right mm-hmm. the, all the other brothers are right in front of him. No, it's not it. He's not the one. Is there another one? Is there another brother? Yes, yes. He's out in the field, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, this is another thing that I think it would be good to to just kind of discuss before we really land the plane here on the podcast. But um, just some passages that we could kind of take to people and say, like, hey, this these verses are very clear in the doctrines uh, in, in the doctrine of election. Um, because really, once you start to understand it, all of Scripture just drips hmm. of it. Um, I used to be very scared of this doctrine. I'll, I'll admit it, like be completely transparent. Um, but really, when I began to wrestle with it, um, that's really when I began to truly find peace and comfort in the sovereignty of God, and it began to be less scary. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, that's because one of the reasons is because the, uh, you know, our, our lives are so chaotic otherwise, but when we can rest in the providence of God and yeah. His sovereignty mm-hmm. in every aspect of our lives, it mm-hmm. gives us a peace that we don't have otherwise. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, any verses at the top of uh, your head, John, that you could kind of point to uh, our listeners, uh, you know, besides some of the texts that, that we've been, you know, or just kind of unpacking here, but that point clearly to the doctrine of election? Yeah, there's many, of course. Uh, you, you refer to Ephesians 1, mm-hmm. 3, he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Uh, I'm thinking of Mark 13, mm-hmm. uh, where he talks of uh, a, 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 a time of destruction, and then it says, but for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And it's just a phrase you read. And then uh, I remember reading Acts and uh, just a little comment that Luke, the writer, writes after people came 
to know Christ through the preaching of the gospel. Acts thirteen forty eight, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life mm-hmm. believed. Yeah. Some some versions say as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And it's just a casual comment. He's mm-hmm. going on to the next thing that happened in the book of Acts. And in summary, he says everyone who had the appointment made the appointment. What mm-hmm. was the appointment? To believe. Yeah. And again, God is the one who justifies. Who? Uh, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Romans eight thirty three, hmm. uh, Matthew twenty four. He'll send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. They'll gather his elect from the four winds, from hmm. one end of heaven to the other. Yeah. Uh, Colossians three, as God's chosen ones, his elect, holy and beloved. You're a chosen race, the royal priesthood. On and on we could go. One verse that uh, again just. I remember saying, well, there is something called election, but it's not nothing to do with salvation. I remember hearing that and just thinking, <laughs> really? Second um, Thessalonians 2.13 actually says it. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord. Who, who are beloved by the Lord? The brothers, the, brothers. the people of God. Because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved mm-hmm. through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Mm-hmm. And again, you, you, you see this in Jesus, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Yes. Uh, we're never surprised. Uh, well, let me say it this way, God's never surprised when someone comes to him, we're surprised. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we think of the thief on the cross who on the last day of his life mm-hmm. turned to the true Christ and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Mm. And what we know about the scripture, when Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise, that yeah. wasn't a shock to God. It must have been a shock to everybody else. Mm. <laughs> but right. God, uh, while someone's got their heart beating, people often mm. say, well, I don't think my uh, my, my son is, is elect because he's not responded. Well, mm. if his heart is still beating, there's still hope. We don't yeah. know who the elect are. That yeah. guy Amen. did yeah. not look like the elect. Yeah. He was a criminal. <laughs> He was mocking and Jesus. was yeah. part of the crowd mocking, yeah. mocking Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's and, why, uh, just like we all were before we came to know Him. And so, the, uh, it's election that gives us hope. That God, y- you've got a people. You, we don't know who they are, but you've got a people. And understanding this in church history was the cause of the great missionary movement that said, the Book of Revelation talks of people who have been redeemed out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Mm-hmm. They're already His. They will be his, and really, let's go out and reach them in the lost tribes in Africa and uh, India and all of these places in China, because God says, God says he has his sheep mm. that will be around the throne. So mm. evangelism is, is now understood as rounding up the sheep. Mm-hmm. And that's why we proclaim the gospel um, to the last breath. Like you mentioned earlier, that thief on the cross was um, just living in sin, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We don't. Bible doesn't say how old he is, but whatever it is, he was there because he was doing bad things. He's, you don't just get crucified mm-hmm. by the Romans. He was a really bad yeah. man. Yeah. And God His choked. own testimony. We're, we're getting what we deserve. Right. Yeah. 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 And 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 this is why it doesn't matter if you have a grandpa or a grandma who is 89 years old who you know it's not saved. It can be very well that moments before their death. They can receive, um, or God can call them to, mm-hmm. to the, 
calm home right. in, yeah. in, in, in election. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. One, one verse that really stood out to me as I was struggling, you know, with the doctrines of grace and, and, and unconditional election, um, I started to begin to read Romans, and it's literally just in the first seven verses. And again, kind of like that Acts verse that you were talking about, where it's kind of just in passing. Like, he's not really talking about election or anything, he just kind of makes an offhanded comment. And it's uh, Romans 1, 7, he says, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called mm-hmm. to be saints. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just stopped and I paused for a moment and I said, wait a minute, wait, let me let me read this again. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. And I go, wow, like the calling of an individual or, or, or a calling to be a saint is dependent on God's love. Mm-hmm. And, and to me that was very clear at that point to me that, yeah, there is such thing as the doctrine of election as much as I want to fight it. And uh, I just, you know, I encourage people to, to, to be in prayer um, and uh, on these things. And you know, I, don't, I don't know if we have anything else to say. We're kind of we're coming up on the top of the hour. <laughs> well, just literature yeah, on Scripture. Yeah, I, I think uh, Spurgeon, Spurgeon says it well. Whenever I find a Spurgeon quote, I kind of <laughs> cease looking for others because he just <laughs> He's nails great. it every time. <laughs> yeah. But he, he once said this, whatever may be said about the doctrine of election it is written in the word of god as with an iron pen Mm -hmm. and there's no getting rid of it to me it is one of the sweetest and most blessed truths in the whole of revelation and those who are afraid of it which again is your your phrase those who are afraid afraid of it are so because they do not understand it if they could but know that the lord had chosen them it would make their hearts dance with joy yes Amen. Amen. Amen, John. Well, as always, it's just an honor and privilege to have you on. Um, Where can our listeners who are new to this podcast find you? Uh, They'll find me at uh, King's Church on a Sunday. I pastor there, but they'll find me on the internet at uh, Mm effectualgrace.com. That's Mm E-F-F-E-C-T-U-A-L grace.com. And they'll find out uh, more about... uh, the ministry they'll they'll see some videos that are available there and uh, sermon audio is also where you can find uh, my sermons but mm-hmm. um, um that that's kind of the main place awesome awesome well john we know that uh you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of god and before we end the podcast we always like to uh give our guests the opportunity to proclaim the gospel and as always john we would we would love you to do so <laughs> i'd love to do it the, the good news of the gospel is in the light of the bad news of our sin. And that is because God is holy. He is just. He is absolutely righteous. And we're not. We are sinners. We've come short of the glory of God. We've never lived like Jesus did, which is the standard, living and doing and thinking everything for the glory of God. All of us have come so far short of it. And we are actually more than that. We're traitors towards God. We owe God allegiance, and we've not given him that necessary allegiance. We've served ourselves, and we've served sin by our actions, by our thoughts, by our words. We've blasphemed him. We've used his name in vain. We've violated his commandments, and we are in desperate need of a Savior. But God, who is this holy and righteous and just God, is also a God of love, and the Bible makes that so clear. And in his love, he sent his son into the world, born of the Virgin Mary, and he lived a sinless life, fulfilling the demands of God that we should have kept. He lived the life we should have lived, 
and then he died the death that we should have died. He died in our place as our substitute, and as he hung on the cross, the Bible says he bore our sins in his body on the tree. He took the wrath, the anger, the punishment due to us upon himself in our place. Three days later, he rose again from the dead. He reigns victoriously now as the ascended Lord, and he commands all men everywhere to repent and to believe in him and all who place their entire trust alone in him, not bringing any uh, works of their own, forsaking all other saviors, looking only to God in his grace. As the hymn said, nothing in my hands I bring simply to the cross I, I cling. We cry out for mercy, and it's there at the cross we find that, that God has sent his Son to redeem all those who will place their trust in him alone. And that is the greatest of the good news, that we do not have to fear death. We don't have to fear what may happen as long as we've put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ he is the perfect Savior. He saves all who call upon him. And so I would invite everyone under the sound of my voice to turn from all you know to be wrong and flee to the Savior, trust in him, believe in him, and you'll have eternal life according to the promise of Jesus. That's not some preacher. That's not some denomination. That's not some church. That's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We must repent, we're called to repent, mm -hmm. and to believe in Christ, and those who do have eternal life. Amen. 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 Yeah. Wow. It's always good having the Englishman, Mr. John Sampson, on. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for coming on. We really appreciate you oh, so, so much. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Anytime, guys. It's, yeah. it's a privilege and a pleasure, so thank you. No, no, no. Thank you, John. Um, all right, guys, so next week we're going to have uh, Michael Whitmer. Yes. Come on, he's gonna. Uh, I love, I love his book, Worldly Saints. It's mm -hmm. it, he has such a good sense of humor in, in writing, and, uh, and as well, the following week we're gonna have uh, uh, Phil Johnson come in talk a little bit about cessationism. Yeah. And, uh, right. and yep, we we recently had a podcast with Sam Storm. He's a continuationist. If you have no idea what we're talking about, uh, go back to that podcast as yeah. well. We'll flesh it all out. So, but uh, yeah, that's gonna be another topic that uh, that we're gonna be discussing very very soon. But uh, as always, guys, uh, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and we will see you next week. Peace out, everybody, and be blessed. Take care. Later.